This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together and uh, a lot to cover today. We've got um, two great guests coming on today. We're our old friends John Schlafly and Todd Bensman in just a few moments. Bensman has an update from the border. Very important for us to hear about. And uh, John Schlafly's column is controversial. He's uh, taking on the transgender issue uh, and he's got a lot to say. So that'll be great. But first, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. What you need to know, what's today's wink? What's today's wink is give peace a chance, Kansas City. Kansas City, Missouri is the scene now uh, of the developing uh, effort by the media and by pathetic uh, loser leaders to exploit every hot button issue under the sun or maybe the hottest of hot button issues, which is race, and try to drive the city into turmoil. Now, let me tell you, let me give you some perspective. And it's important. I was there when Ferguson happened in Missouri. I was I happened to be chairman of the Republican Party of Missouri at the time. And and when Michael Brown died after attacking the police officer, he died after attacking the police officer, having robbed a a local store. Uh, The tragedy was a young man died. And the tragedy was the young man had been failed by the systems, the education system, the family structure, whatever. It was a tragedy. The death of a young man is never a good thing, but it wasn't murdered by a cop. It was not uh, something that was wrong done by the cop. It was it was a tragedy. In fact, it was a tragedy on all kinds of levels. But then the national entities, the national players in a preview of what happened in 2020, they came to town and they burned Ferguson. And CNN covered it breathlessly. Don Lemon was in town and our uh, Anderson Cooper came and all the coverage was breathless. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. It's racial rioting. It was, you know, I, I, I this is not fair because I wasn't around at the time, but I'll just go ahead and venture a guess. It feels to me like the rioting in the 1960s at least was related to a sense that African-Americans were stuck in, a, in systems that weren't that were exploiting them. The Democrat Party was racist. The systems, there was still segregation. But in 20 in the year 2010 to 2000, what was Ferguson, 2013 and 2020 and today in Kansas City, it's not about this is not about real righteous uh, anger and real principles reform and the idea that in kansas city you're watching the usual suspects the terrible race baiting pathetic people and the media i repeat myself leading an effort to get this again a tragedy whatever the, the the reality of what the old man was thinking when he shot the young man who's coming through the front door whatever the young man was thinking i don't think he was a bad guy at all I, whatever the mistake was, it's a tragedy. But don't burn down Kansas City. Don't call it a racism thing. Don't make this into something it's not and pretend that you care about the people. If you want to address the problems in this country, or especially if you think it's about race, go to the teachers unions. Go to the teachers unions and go to the cities that don't enforce the law and protect the people. Don't go to a neighborhood now in Kansas City and exploit 
the media's desire for clickbait and social media's desire to manipulate and these pathetic race baiting lawyers and activists who will come and say just enough to allow rioting and to encourage the, the, the sending in of the Antifa types and others. Give peace a chance, Kansas City. Give a, there are some leaders in Kansas City, African-American and, and liberal Democrats, that I know I, I live there. I work there. There's some leaders of quality. Listen to them. Find ways for the, the constructive reform that stops people from making these mistakes. But don't burn and don't exploit and don't divide and don't hate. Peace and, and real and peace and change and mourning and tragedy. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying I'm happy about any of it. But I'm watching, I'm watching people, maybe not the exact same people, but some of them are exact same people, who exploited Ferguson. Who, and, and, and destroyed businesses and homes and, and millions and millions of dollars. And people that exploited Washington, D.C. and other cities in 2020 for what? Political gain? And watch this fool in the White House if he does this wrong and just divides. Peace. Peace. That's what you need to know. We'll take a break. break take a, excuse me. We'll take a break and be right back with John Schlafly. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to take touch base with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, is one half of the dynamic duo that does this weekly Schlafly Report. It used to take only one Schlafly back in the day. That was the late Phyllis Schlafly. She did a weekly column for almost 50 years. Now it takes two of her sons uh, to do that, but they still do a fine, fine job. You can go to uh, townhall.com townhall.com where the uh, column posts late on Tuesday, late on Tuesday, kind of breaking news on Tuesdays. And also it archived at phyllisschlafly.com with all of their columns. This week's column end promotion of transgender culture. So I have to say this makes you John a bigot. Uh, it makes you, um, I don't know a lot of things. I mean, you're, you hate Budweiser beer, uh, I guess you hate Belgians or what, are they Brazilians? I don't even know anymore, but not American anymore. But um, but here, John, before we get into your column more specifically, uh, again, an observer or a participant for, I don't know, 50 of your years on this earth. You've been on earth for a few more than 50, but a lot of years you've been an up close participant or observer. The speed with which the transgender sort of movement, if you can call it that, has been you know, splashing across America. It's, it's like happened in like a year or two, hasn't it? Yes, it's, uh, it, it has had, and uh, it's a good question as to how that happened, how a dramatic cultural change can happen so rapidly and who's really pushing it. Um, you know, that's certainly, uh, people should look into that. Um, you know, it's, it's a few, a few years ago, or really for 20 years, there was a debate over, gay and lesbian issues, and we heard nothing about it for 20 years. And as soon as the Supreme Court issued its ruling, that whole subject dropped into the memory hole, and we don't hear anything about gay and lesbian anymore. Instead, 
All we hear is GLBT or LGBT. I'm not sure which letter comes first, mm-hmm. and particularly the T. And the T is everywhere. But the the reaction has been fierce too. And uh, we now it's now we're now up to 21 states where the state legislature has passed a bill and either signed by the governor or overridden the governor uh, to pass a bill in 21 states. Imagine that in just the last year and a half to protect girls' sports against being disrupted, uh, destroyed, you might say, by by male-bodied athletes. And uh, today, just today, there is a bill before the House, U.S. House of Representatives to address the House, the transgender issue nationwide. In reaction to, of course, Joe Biden has proposed a regulation, national regulation, which would essentially amend the Title IX rule, which has protected women's sports for 50 years. You talk about 50 years on this earth, Ed. You know, Title IX. It was enacted by Congress just about 50 years ago, and that has been uh, a federal law which has protected uh, the rights of women and girls in schools, in all schools, that benefit from federal financial assistance, and uh, including sports, not just sports, but anything to do with schools. But the Joe Joe Biden regulation, which is up for public comment right now, Ed, and all of your listeners have the right under the, um, you know, the federal law involving federal regulations to express their comments to the Department of Education in writing about whether or not uh, women's sports should be opened up to male persons who say they have a female gender identity, regardless of whether they've had any type of medical intervention. So, you know, uh, millions, tens of millions of people do care about that whole subject. And so that's why people we're talking about it today and this week. I would talk with uh, John Schlafly, his column now, again. Ed, you yeah. know, your, your teenage I was just involved in sports. Haven't you, haven't you coached your own daughters? Well, I have, I was, I was an excellent coach, excellent coach in the fine tradition, of course, of great coaches out of uh, Jersey city where I played basketball and Danny Hurley, the national champion uh, coach played and, and coached uh, now I did coach both my daughters and I, 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 it doesn't even make sense to me. It actually sounds, it seems like a Saturday night live skit back when Saturday night live was funny. um, When they have these, you know, obvious men, you know, three years, the one guy was on the women's the men's team at UPenn and he was mediocre but still division one you know top level now he goes over to the girls and wins everything you know it's just that part of it's crazy John I want to pause though I want to ask a different question because I remember asking the late Phyllis Schlafly about the vaccine movement uh, when we're talking about vaccines in schools you know uh, uh, not not the uh, what I think has been proven to be deeply flawed and problematic uh, COVID vaccine process back when people were just saying, you know, what about, um, you know, the, the vaccines that children are asked to get and requirements at schools. And I remember asking Phyllis and Phyllis saying, well, there's lots of debate on some of those and there's a lot of science that's still not known. But the one thing we have to do is protect the parents control over their kids, that it's not the government and the schools that will tell them what to put in their body. 
Okay. So I think that's a pretty important uh, thing that talk about if you want to destroy the family, continue to take away from parents the right to know if their child has an abortion or has a vaccine or asks for transgender surgery. Right. I mean, and that's a fact. But and we have people advocating for laws that say if you want to get transgender chaining surgery and you're 12, you should be able to, you know, go past your parents and get to the place where you can do that. And that seems deeply problematic. The flip side, though, John, is what happens when parents, some of these moms, you look at them and they look at the camera and they're like, my daughter or son really wants to transition and I want this for them. I, I, I don't want to sound like a totalitarian, but I almost want government to intervene. It seems like mental illness to me. I mean, it, it, we're in a very strange place. Well, we certainly, you know, first of all, uh, the public schools and even some private schools really don't believe in parents' rights. They feel that they know better because they've been to teachers' uh, training. And uh, we've had many examples where public school teachers are helping their young students to socially transition to the other gender at school by changing clothes and so forth um, and not and deliberately concealing that information from right. the parents. Right, 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 right. I, I, I mean, it's but again, my point is what happens when a what happens? I mean, serious, how confusing this is. What happens when a, a 36 year old mother shows up at, at the Washington University in St. Louis, uh, uh, Barnes Jewish Hospital Clinic for transgenderism and says, here's Tommy. He really wants to be a girl. And I, I'm signing the paperwork to let him have major surgery. I, I mean, you know, again, wh- where do parents' rights uh, and, you know, frankly, temporary insanity overlap? I mean, I, again, my point is only that we've come here so fast. On something that is well, like point 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 yeah. oh one uh, 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 of I, the problem. Well, now you say point point oh oh one, but we're now we're told by the New York Times, which is pushing this, uh, relying on a G- LGBT foundation uh, called the Williams Institute, that one point seven percent of teenagers in America are transgender. And that number, that's 300,000. And that number, they say, has doubled in the last five years. So it's clear from those large numbers, which are really far beyond anything that we, you know, that, I mean, the, the, it's social, you know, there's a social contagion, I think, is the term that it should be looked at. Uh, this is not real. This is uh, kind of promoted by TikTok, I would say, and other forms of social media. And that's uh, not really genuine. Maybe there are a handful, maybe a few thousand in America, but not 300,000. And uh, so you say, what do you do when a parent uh, you know, supports transition? Yeah. Well, one thing, you know, the, the medical profession has long since uh, abandoned the Hippocratic Oath, which every young doctor used to take when they embarked on the profession. And, you know, your wife is a doctor, Ed. What is the first sentence? The first yeah, yeah, yeah. First four do no, words. First, first do no first harm. Four first, words of the Hippocratic Oath. First, first, first do, do no, no harm. harm. Right. And and if that if that injunction means anything, it means that it is forbidden 
for a doctor to remove a healthy organ? I mean, and the answer to it is, you know, quoting Nancy Reagan, just say no. No, I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. You're not doing it. And and society is not permitting that. All right, John, John, John Schlafly, you're getting up on your soapbox. It's getting out of control. Um, And uh, John Schlafly, everybody, and with his brother, Andy, writes a column called the uh, Schlafly Report. This week's is End Promotion of Transgender Culture. Okay, John, but what happens when some of the biggest forces, institutions in the society... Uh, fall victim, if that's the word, or 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 kowtow to the the very very small minority of the culture. So you have a situation where universities, which you know, I mean, again, we don't have to like all the universities at this moment in our history, but American university life has been the envy of the world in lots of ways, and certainly from the 1950s through the early 80s, I would say it was the transformative, one of the great transformative entities in ever in human life. I mean, it it took all those mostly men out of the GI Bill and through a college. I mean, phenomenal institution or, uh, you know, businesses, major businesses that have built uh, brands in America. I am thinking of Budweiser, but there's lots of other ones. And they just roll over and become, you know, promoters of this broken way of seeing things. And what do you do when that's what's happening in your society, John? Because it, it, it's so strange to see Budweiser. What what do they think they're doing positively to put this kind of lunatic? Uh, well, I know that's not fair. This mentally unstable person, in my opinion, uh, on the on the cover on, on the cover of a can to kowtow a favor with who? I, but, so our major institutions are rolling over, John, and and giving well, into this. You know, some is the institutions are public that depend upon public support. I mean, the well, the fear, the fierce pushback against Bud Light for what it did, I think, is a is a useful exercise. We'll see how far it lasts, and uh, what's being done by the major sports leagues, uh, football, baseball. I mean, the you know, and uh, the average person uh, does have a voice and a vote in. With regard to, um, with you know, with by spending their dollars, uh, and when you know, the sports team, if a if a uh, well, a beverage, you know, or something, you know, a shoe or whatever that depends on public support, you know, is going to put this in your face. You know, everyone has the right to just say no. I'm not going to patronize that institution. That's that. Uh, activity, that product, uh, if they are going to, you know, go ahead with to promote destructive forces like this. So but but John, but John, but John, but John, but John, and of course, Disney is another one. But uh, we'll see what happens with that. Do you think when you look around, though, I'm asking a different question slightly. It, it, it's a surprise um, to me that some of these institutions are, well, no, maybe I shouldn't say that. It's not a surprise. Um, the speed with which uh, so many things are changing so fast. Um, it, that's surprising. And then the, frankly, the lack of resistance. I, I, I mean, th- I know there's a sort of boycott on Bud Light, but there's not really, I mean, nobody's really, I don't think they've really, uh, I don't know. I, I, it feels sort of like we all are watching it happen and saying, isn't this terrible? And yet it's still happening. Um, You're not going to pep me okay, up and make me uh, feel better. <laughs> <You're> not- 
I, I guess I, I just I, I, I know that the column, uh, John and Andy Schlafly well, write this column. It's certainly true is that the, the forces behind this rapid cultural change are not backing down. And so, uh, you know, the other side, you might say, uh, is convinced that boycotts will never work, that the views of ordinary people do not matter because only the avatars, only, you know, the vanguard uh the va- the vanguard of social change even though even if they're only a small number of people they're unstoppable you hear you hear people using the phrase about getting on the right side of history uh which of course that's a nonsense phrase because history doesn't have sides it can go in two directions or any direction but nevertheless uh this is the marxist idea that history has only one direction the direction of progress and everyone else is a reactionary and uh, so it's inevitable. That's what mm-hmm. they think. And it's up to your listeners, Ed, to demonstrate that uh, that's not necessarily true. Yeah. What a challenge. John Schlafly, as always, thank you. Uh, we'll post uh, the Schlafly report up on social media and make sure you check it out there. Again, available at townhall.com as well as archived at phyllisschlafly.com. And uh, uh, we will um, take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Todd Benzman, our old friend, National Security Fellow over at the Center for Immigration Studies, noted author uh, and uh, investigative journalist. And he is, uh, you can go to cis.org, I think it's .org, he'll correct me, or toddbenzman.com, especially Todd's uh, website there. You'll see his book featured prominently, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Uh, I don't know if it's a bestseller the way it should be, but I know that a lot of people that I trust are reading it and getting it and, and paying attention and it's getting lots of coverage. So, uh, uh Todd, welcome back. Um, you know, you, you have, uh, you keyed me into a, a an op-ed, um, that, uh, uh, you published, uh, uh, just uh, in the last day or so on Joe Biden. Um, human tidal wave is waiting for border to open May 11th and then dash Biden has no plan to stop it. Um, I guess that's the story, right? That um, Joe Biden has basically been confronted with this reality and they've made the decision. They're not going to do anything. There's going to be no May 11th. The, the tidal wave is coming. They're not going to change things up. Right. Right. So title 42 is going away. Finally, uh, the subject of a lot of litigation, Republicans want to keep it. This is the thing that allows us to push back every immigrant that we can catch crossing between the ports of entry into Mexico without granting them asylum. That's the key thing, without granting them asylum. Well, that goes away. It's been used at about 30% at this point anyway. Uh, 70% of everybody pretty much gets in anyway. When it goes away, the Biden administration has a new uh, plan that they're going to put in place called Eight, which is actually just the law. Uh, Title eight is expedited removal. And what you'll hear the administration say is we're going really trumpy and tough. Wait till you see what we're going to do with this. Every single one of them will be subject 
to expedited removal. And that's a key thing because they're not saying everybody is going to be removed expeditiously. They're saying they'll just be subject to it. And that opens the door for all of these loopholes that they have built into the plan. For example, no unaccompanied minor will be subject to Title VIII or expedited removal. They all get in. And we've had already, because of uh, that policy, See already for two years, 350, 400,000 uh, minors uh, just uh, you know entered into the country and allowed to stay. You're going to see a huge ramp up in that. Uh, families, uh, any family that comes in with young kids again, they're going to claim asylum. Uh, they're going to be uh, put in detention, but they can't. We can't hold them for longer than 20 days because of this loophole called the Flores Settlement. Long story there, but. <clears throat> they're going to be pouring in to be to get their quick release into the country. So you're going to see, in my opinion, a huge flood of family groups, just like you did uh, for the first two years of this thing. Uh, we're talking, uh, we're, 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 we're talking yeah. with Todd Benzman. Todd, let me ask you the, the politics of it. Um, Joe, Joe, Borden, Joe, Joe Biden, even in your article, they got a picture of Joe Biden walking down at the border. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've sort of changed the way they report certain numbers. So it makes it sound like there's been either a reduction or a slowing of the increase in the numbers, which, you know, you've taught me and our listeners is, is not true. It's not factual. Um, on the other hand, Nobody's fooled by this. I mean, there, you know, uh, uh, Senator Josh Hawley the other day had, I think, uh, Sec- Secretary Mayorkas on, and he said, you know, you're letting all these unaccompanied minors in. They're sex trafficked. I mean, why? How can this be something you're allowing? And he, you know, he said we're following the law. Um, I hate to do this, so being glib, blah blah blah. Um, but here's the problem: Are there any Democrats who see that this is? politically a liability for them is there anyone willing to say hey guys this is really bad for me or the country or i don't know joe manchin west virginia and change the minds or the dynamic or is that i mean in other words if the if the democrat parties come this far where no one can pull it back from the abyss that's a big moment i feel like there's nervousness on the democratic side about all of all things border, I think that they are worried. Uh, part of this whole plan uh, that they're they're rushing resources down to the border right now. I mean, I just uh, got credible word that they sent three hundred more soldiers to the El Paso sector. They're getting ready for this wow. thing, right? But the way, but the reason, but the the their readiness and resources are all geared to accommodate the flow and move it off the border so that there's no nothing for TV cameras to see. That's what the whole thing, not to block, stop, and deter and shut it down, but to get everybody in without there becoming like a Del Rio migrant camp thing or, you know, some terrible optic. Uh, so everything they're doing, you know, building giant soft-sided shelters and, you know, uh, surging USCIS asylum officers down there and troops and buses and planes. Everything is just geared to let everybody in to accommodate the flow and move it in fast. But I think that so many are going to be coming after May 11 when Title 42 goes away, that even that system is going to get swamped. Uh, and, And even if it doesn't get swamped, your community, your city, your town, 
will be swamped. They're all going to end up there. It's going to be a really big flood of, of people crossing the border again. That's, that's because the plan that they created allows for them to just simply get in. Uh, the unaccompanied minors, the families, uh, and also just singles. Anybody who says, I'm afraid to go back under Title VIII, uh, gets in. So pretty much everybody who tries it ought to get in, except the dumbest of of, of them who don't know, somehow miss word that they, they just have to say, I'm afraid to be returned. Uh, we're talking again with Todd Benzman. If you go to toddbenzman.com, T-O-D-D-B-E-N-S-M-A-N, benzman.com, Overrun is a book. You'll see it, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. US history, um, featured in a, a lot of excerpts in, in major uh, periodicals and uh, in the last month or so. You can check them out. And Todd Benzman has uh, got a piece over at, uh, let me see, it's at NewYorkPost.com. New York Post. Yeah, in the New York Post. Um, so... What's the what's the what's your best guess sense of the numbers? And, and, you know, you, you you say it's a human uh, uh, human. What is it? You, the phrase you use? It's a, an onslaught, a, a tidal wave, a human tidal wave. What does that mean? Are we talking about uh, thirty thousand a day? Are we talking about a million a month? What does the number look like? How do you, how, do you have any sense? Well, the Mexicans are estimating that they may have anywhere from 40,000 to 100,000 inside the country right now waiting for this thing. Uh, they're already starting to break over the border. Uh, if you look at my footage, well, I, it's not out yet. I have a big a big video report about to publish. And if you look at that footage uh, at CIS.org uh, from my recent trip to Juarez, you'll see what the, it's already starting to break over the dam. Uh the intelligence community was assessing last year that the demise of Title 42 would lead to about 12,000 to 18,000 a day crossing. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, 360,000, 500,000 a month. Mm. And we're at about 200,000 a month now. So, you know, that's what I mean by well, and and there's no there's no reason there's there's no reason there there there's no reason to think that it won't be bigger in some in the sense that as you have taught us on this is that the the message has gone out to the world. This is the timeline. You know that nobody's guessing about whether you can get across right now. The world knows May 11th the doors are open, so we're going to see. You know, in other words, if the if the cost of your decision to come to the border, um, you know, two months ago included you know, 30% uncertainty, that's lessening as the world knows, oh, May 11th, they're not doing anything, right? I mean, there's enough reporting. I mean, you finish your piece in the New York Post, we're talking with Todd Benzman again, uh, referencing that they'll, you know, people will be uh, uh, um, taking selfies from hotels in America and sending them back to their uh, fellow countrymen back in where they came from, um, you know. It, that's right. That's, that's where we're works. headed. So so it, it, it's probably going to be bigger than we we expect because we've been watching it build. Right. And I just hope I'm wrong. But, you know, it's, I mean, there are a lot of people on the way here. The Darien Gap, which is the jungle passage between uh, Colombia and Panama, where, you know, 100 people from 150 different countries are pouring through. That that thing is so clogged up right now with so many people, thousands and thousands. I have friends that are there right now on the ground uh, reporting Michael Yan and Ben Burkwam. Go to their Twitter feeds. 
uh, you won't believe what's happening there. I mean, it is just people are flooding in from throughout the world and they're coming for this thing. Uh, so, I mean, I, I just don't think I'm going to be wrong here. Uh, I don't think that the Biden administration is going to suddenly go Trumpian. They're bringing in assets not to stop and block, but to accommodate and facilitate the flow in to the United States. Uh, Todd Benzman's our guest. Um, Todd, uh, you once told me that there was a debate between in the White House that you could report on sourced a little bit uh, where some were saying we can't let it get this bad. We have to change the policies. Is that is that over? Is that was that ever real? What What's the status of that? Is there anybody in the well, White House saying, hold on? Yeah, I think they're I mean, the same people are probably, uh, you know, still saying hold on. But in the midterms, they didn't suffer any bloodletting, really. Uh, they lost the house barely, but not by as much as they thought. And, uh, you know, they just, you know, didn't really get hit very hard. The voters kind of, I'd say, forgave them for the five million people they let in over the border. Uh, so there's probably pushback on them still saying, you know, it didn't hurt us then. It won't hurt us in the national election in 2024. I mean, it just remains to be seen because at some point, uh, the American people are going to notice this it, all around them. Uh, that, and, and if the scenes from this this thing coming up in May, June, July, I, I would expect this thing is going to go on all through the summer. Are are really uh, you know pa- you know uh, chaotic? Uh, they're going to have to maybe think about doing something else. I mean, uh, because that is really what they feared most when. The Del Rio migrant camp under the bridge crisis happened in September 2021. I mean, it just freaked them out. So if they have that happening everywhere, you know, maybe they'll change course. It's um, yeah. Well, it's uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> maybe. That's a maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe. All right, uh, Todd Benzman. I'm not 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 my not not my most hopeful uh, uh, interview with you. Where sometimes I finish think, well, at least we can see the path forward. Not not my <laughs> most hopeful. So um, we'll see no, what I mean, happens. And what we're counting down to May 11th. I mean, do you? I, I mean, as a as a as a longtime uh, journalist and someone who worked in in uh, public affairs, uh, you know, in government. Do you have any sense on? Uh, yeah, will, uh, will the 11th of May include coverage of this? Do you think? Uh, if it's if it's what I was seeing in Juarez last week, uh, I don't know how they could avoid it. There was media uh, in and around Juarez. Even the New York Times came down. Uh, you know, I think I don't know how that you could avoid the uh, if there were scenes like we had in El Paso in December. Everybody came for that. Uh, you know, there's this massive flood over the border into in, into El Paso. Every street was just strewn with people. Airports were filled with people sleeping all over the hallways. Uh, you know, they couldn't avoid that. So I, I think, yes, I think if it looks like that, anything like that, they'll they will cover it. They will right. cover it. All right, Todd Benzman, thank you for you covering it. We appreciate I'll you very be there. much. Yeah, you'll be I'll there. Be there. We'll, we'll, we'll plan on taking We'll speak with you before that, of course, but uh, um, we'll look forward to that. All right, uh, Todd Benzman, everybody. Again, toddbenzman.com. Uh, also, the New York Post article I'll put up on my social media feed. We'll be right back, everybody. We'll take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 
presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Can you name the three branches of American government, legislative, executive, and judicial? Only one half of Americans know this very basic fact about the U.S. Constitution. The Intercollegiate Studies Institute, which has conducted in-depth studies of what American college students know and don't know about civics, has now gone after adults and reports an equally depressing result. Adults, too, lack the civic knowledge they need to be informed citizens and voters. A very basic test on American history, government, and economics was administered to 2,500 Americans aged 25 and older. The multiple-choice test asked citizens to identify terms and names that everybody ought to know, such as the New Deal, the Electoral College, Sputnik, I Have a Dream, and Progressive Tax. The 2,500 adults scored an average grade of 49%. That means their score was a pitiful F. Those who had received a college bachelor's degree averaged 57% on the test, compared to 44% for those with only a high school diploma. Worse still, 164 adults who took this class had held elected office, and their average score was only 44%. Only 27% of respondents knew that the First Amendment does not require separation of church and state, but only prohibits the government from establishing an official religion. Almost 40% said they thought the president has power to declare war. Only 50% knew that Congress shares authority with the president over U.S. foreign policy, and almost one in four stated that Congress shares authority with the United Nations. Without knowledge of our country's history, key documents, and institutions, you really don't have a frame of reference to judge today's policies. A new federal law requires schools to teach about the U.S. Constitution, but it looks like American adults need those lessons, too. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, wrapping things up today, let me give you a little sign of hope, a glimmer of hope. I was up on Capitol Hill this week, and I was talking to some of the senior staffers who were on the um, who are on some of the committees in the U.S. House that are doing the work of oversight and the weaponization committee that uh, Jim Jordan's heading, uh, the House Administration Committee. Um, th- there's a lot going on. Uh, The one conversation that was very um, helpful for me was with a senior staffer on the House Administration Committee. And he said, look, I understand why some people are frustrated when they look out and they see not enough being done fast enough. He said, I I get that. He said, but you have to you have to understand covering the, the, the press covering this wants to make us look bad. He said, there's a lot going on. And he went through a list of things. 
he went through a list of things and he, including some things he said, look, we know we have to ask these questions. It was of, of some of the executive agencies. He said, but we're not going to ask those questions until the timing is right. And we have our ducks lined up, meaning if we ask early and piecemeal, we think we'll get beat, you know, we'll get beaten back. And it was convincing. I, I, I don't want to be too, um, I don't want to be too, um, I don't want to be too uh, confident and too, you know, trusting. But I do think that I, what I saw, and I saw some stuff. I can't talk about it this week. I may be able to talk about it next week. Uh, I saw some stuff. I saw some stuff of what's happening. I saw the inside, the, the guts of some of, uh, uh, of what is going on. And um, I, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with the possibilities. Still a lot of work to do, but uh, so be encouraged. All right, everybody, we got to run. Thank you, Noah Dingley. I encourage him. He's a great producer of this program and Andrea Kay and his own work. Uh, thank you, Ryan Hyde, for associate producing. And thank you for listening. We will be back uh, tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.